I clapped and I put coffee on my hand. Awesome. Turn your attention to the screens. Let's get some definitions courtesy of Oxford, Google, and my little brain. Hope from last week. Hope is context. All right. That was our focus last week, right? That distinctive that the Christian faith offers. Our text today is found Isaiah 9, page 573, picking up the action in verse 2, and then we'll skip down the page. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. And remember, okay, the idea of hope being context, okay, the events in Isaiah are 700 years before the child shows up, okay? So it's like this, this length of time, this walking in darkness, it's, it's, not, it's not like a week, Okay, it's a long chunk of real estate. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. And then skipping to verse 6, we've already said this once, we'll say it again. For to us a child is born, for to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. It's all in a name, right? The names of Christ are incredibly important. And, and, and it's weird because we think in terms of names as like, oh, well, well, John's name. That identifies who John is. Fair. But, but for Jesus, for, for the, the, the second person of the Trinity incarnating, coming to earth as a baby, the, the names not only identify, oh, there's Jesus or Yeshua would have been his name. Jesus is the Anglicized version of the Hebrew name Yeshua, God saves. The names describe behavior. And so Emmanuel, God with us, Yeshua, God saves, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. These aren't just ways to identify Jesus, but to identify his behavior and his activity. This idea of a wonderful counselor is this, this idea of, of, of supernatural, of wisdom that is greater. King at the time was King Ahaz, remember? Worst of the kings at the bottom of the Marianas Trench. Wonderful counselor better advice than you would get from a king. It's human wisdom versus supernatural wisdom that the God of the universe wants to be, in essence, our counsel. 
There's an interesting article, current issue of the New York Times, eight things you should never say to your partner, according to therapists. Number one, you always, you never. You should never say that. But I just said it, right? Generalizations really don't work. You should never say things like, yes, but, okay? Or I love this one, I'm sorry, but. If you say, I'm sorry, but, then you're really not sorry, okay? Or how about this one? You should be more like, okay? If you compare your spouse to someone else, it's never a great strategy. I love this one. You're, over, you're overreacting. It's not that big of a deal. You're overreacting. Calm down. Cal, just calm down. I need you to calm down. That's never going to be, it's never going to work. It's never going to work. It will never be what will bring success. It's not that big of a deal. My personal favorite I used just recently because sometimes you're just so tongue-tied, you don't even know what to say. I literally said, tell me what you want me to say and I'll say it. <laughs> Not helpful. Not helpful. Didn't move the relationship forward in one iota. That's often what happens with human wisdom. It doesn't advance the ball even though I'm not a football metaphor mind. Mighty God. God with us, Emmanuel, gives this notion of God being very personal. Here is personal yet more. Mighty God, and you know, you think in terms of a number of things, strength to get something done, but, but literally it's the power to create. It's the power to give life. The best that humans can do is take life. God creates. God puts into motion the things that give life. Everlasting Father. There's this sense of permanency, right? That, that it's a long, 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 long time. But more than that, it's not transient, okay? It's not, um, it's not leadership that's over after a four-year political term, right? It, it's something that, that even outlives a, a, a ruler that might go for 30, 40 years. Or, or like our, our favorite, like Fortune 500 companies, okay? Really, really good, well-run Fortune 500 companies will have their CEO succession plan two or three or four layers deep where they will literally know not only the person that is in role right now, but her replacement. And not just her replacement, but her replacement, okay? And there's like three layers deep, and they knew the pool of applicants. But this is even better than that. The consistency of this leadership is so much stronger because it's everlasting. The, the, the Prince of Peace what the person is known for, a ruler, second only to the king or the queen, known for peace. Again, something that, quite frankly, is, is beyond the power structures of the world. Is it too strong? Because I don't think it is, but if we want to wrestle with it, we can wrestle with it. Can we identify one world government or one nation that has secured everlasting peace. I know there's been peace for a time, although those of you that are historical scholars know that that's not a great phrase. Has there been one? 
I mean, has there been any governmental entity that has, has started a reign and rule of peace that continues to this day? I, and yet that is how Jesus is described. That is the behavior that makes Jesus unique. A wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace. Emmanuel, Yeshua. And I wonder, what if we let the counsel, the might, the consistency, the peace of Jesus into our lives? Another way of asking the question, why wouldn't we go to Christ? Do we think that the creator of the universe who solved the biggest problem humans face, do we really think that that entity couldn't help in our day-to-day life? And it's easy to miss. I miss it. I miss it all the time. I give mental assent to Jesus. I'm like, yes, Jesus is there. I even know his name in the Hebrew, Yeshua. And yet I miss that he wants to save, right? I miss the descriptor of his behavior. I miss the counsel. I miss the permanency of his leadership, the consistency in his behavior. I miss the peace that he wants to bring. I forget the power that he has, the power to create and the power to give life. It's all in his name. The names describe the behavior, the intent, the mission of Jesus. Emmanuel, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting, Prince of Peace. Are we willing to start? Or get back on track? Or stay consistent? Are we willing to acknowledge that we can't do it on our own? And for some of us, that's really, really hard. It's so hard because we're so good at what we do. The challenge is we've been deceived by a world that either says we don't need something external to ourselves, i.e. the power of Christ in our life, or if we do need something external to ourselves, we just need a little bit. Just a little bit of Jesus. Not a lot, just, just a tiny little bit. <laughs> and if the world or the devil or any of the devil's little minions can get us, not like the movie Minions, but you understand what I mean, like the under, okay, if, if, if the influence can be that we don't need Christ, that Christ is something that sits over there at Christmas time, but that we really don't integrate the meaning of his life into our lives, if the world could convince us that Jesus just sits over there, Or if faith does become important to us, 
we do just enough to feel good about ourselves. But not so much that it really becomes a part of our lives. Why is it so hard for us to ask for help? Christ comes into the world and says, I'm here to help. I, I want to make life better for you. Just, I'm here. I'm moving. I'm, I, I, with affirmative fiat, I'm moving. We're like, no thanks, or just a little bit. What if our reluctance to ask for help was not a sign of self-sufficiency? Well, what if our, our, our ability to say, I can do it by myself, was not a sign of self-sufficiency, but a sign of self-delusion? And what if the most powerful thing would be to discover the spiritual need that every human being who has ever lived possesses? The need for a Savior. The need for help. Another way of looking at it, flip it on its head, right? If you had a friend that you could help, whatever crisis they're in, and, and you discovered that they never even asked you for help, and, and, and you watched them, you know, in the wake of going through this thing, and you didn't even know what was going on, right? And you're like, all of a sudden you're like, well, why didn't you ask for help? I could have helped you. We could have done it together. It could have been so much easier. I mean, there's a, a little bit of sense, especially if it's a good friend, where you're like, well, why, 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 why? I, I, I'm willing to help. We could have lifted the heavy thing together. Why is it so hard to ask for help? I get it. I like to do it myself. Professionally this fall, on October 29th, I did something that I have never done in the history of Timberwood Church. I asked for help. And you responded generously and graciously and wonderfully. Why is it so hard to ask for help? Peace is redefining peace. The definition is going to be really, really long and varied and like multiple subpoints. Redefining peace is inviting the rule and reign of Jesus in our lives. Peace is letting the rule and reign of Jesus in our lives. Peace is knowing I need help. Peace is being helped. Peace is asking for help. During the holidays, there's always these crises, right? Because we get together with people that we rarely get together with, and we wonder why we even like them, but they, they, they share our DNA and our blood and our last names, and so we're forced, right? Avoiding family drama. Here's a prayer from Lucia in Miramar Beach, Florida. I have my own version of the serenity prayer. 
God, give me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to get up and go do the dishes. (laughs) Sometimes that's peace, right? Sometimes it's peace to get yourself out of a bad situation. I'm just going to go clean. It's just so much easier. Sometimes peace is asking the question, what can I do? Sometimes it's asking what I shouldn't do. It's almost always asking what, would, what God will do if I let him or if I don't get in the way. This definition or definitions of peace, they're not just the sense of, oh, everything's fine inside, because that's how we usually say peace is, the absence of war or absence of, 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 of junk. These definitions of peace t- takes time, okay? It's, it's liminal space, the concept of liminality, is a concept where, where you're moving from one thing to another thing, but you haven't yet got there. So say you're uh, an adolescent boy, okay, and you're moving towards adulthood. And if you're John Just, you're about right here, and adulthood's right there. You're not, you're not there yet, you know? You're not, you haven't quite made it to that moment, Right? There's the, there's the start where you've left, there's the destination where you want to get to, and there's the in-between space. And liminal space, is, is, it really messes with our brains because it, it, it feels uncertain. We, we know we don't want to be this over here, and, but we're not quite where we are going to arrive, and, and this, it's just, it feels uncertain, and it feels goofy. And I think peace is that transition, right? That transition from me on my own to being spirit-led. From me on my own to really embracing Jesus Christ for all that he is and all that his names describe his behavior to be. This liminal space moving from what I want to what do you want. And in that transition, in that liminal space, God is always active. Never forget that. God never ceases being active. God acts first. God loves first. God creates first. We've said it before. We'll say it again. Unless you are present at the creation of the world or at your creation, you don't act first. God acts first. God is always at work, even in this liminality, even in this liminal space, even in these moments of journey and transition. We are also in those moments, right? 
with all of our insecurities, with all of our uncertainties, with all of our arrogance. Some of us aren't uncertain at all. Some of us are so drippingly arrogant, it's almost hard to be with you or me. And the truth of the matter is, one day you can be uncertain and the next day you can be an arrogant, mm, 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 three letters. You know what I'm talking about, right? What can I do? What shouldn't I do? What God will do if I let God or if I don't get in the way? Peace is living in that liminal space, moving from what I want to what God wants. Peace is that transition, and it's okay to be in transition. It's okay to be moving from what I want on my own to what the Spirit is leading me to do based on the life and existence of Jesus Christ. In another way, we are all living in this liminal space. The Bible speaks of two advents of Jesus Christ. One is in the past, one is yet future. And in this liminal space between these two advents, when Christ came and when Christ will come again, the transitionary time can be filled with all sorts of crazy it's a world that doesn't make sense at times and at the same time has these wonderful passages of life, a new baby, and the brutal passages of death, the loss of a spouse, living and dying and waiting. But waiting with the promise that secures the peace of those who are faithful. Faithful in part because God is continually at work continually giving us good things and faithful in part because we are responding to that activity of God and doing the God-enabled things that we have been given to do. And that for me is peace. The tangible and real activity of God in our lives. Please pray with me. Father, we come to you. We thank you for sending your son. We thank you for describing his activity in your created order in such wonderfully vibrant ideas. Ideas that inform how we can live. Realities that change our life and allow us to experience peace. Father, allow us to be honest with you and your Son and your Spirit this Christmas season. Allow us to acknowledge the good that you are doing in our lives. Allow us to respond to that good. Allow us to embrace what you've offered 
when the prophet Isaiah wrote, For unto them a son is given. Let your spirit lead in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.